Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Here's Tom Suter, along with Pat Hardy from HawkFanatic.com and Coach Don Patterson. Well... Finally, we have an offense to talk about, Coach. Uh, tell us a little bit about why uh, why Iowa's offense looked so much better Saturday than it had the previous three weeks. Well, I think there are several reasons that come to mind. It is true we were playing a defense that's not as good as so many others that we played against this year. Uh, but the fact remains that we took advantage of their opportunity. We did a, a better job of of um, opening up running lanes. Our offensive line did a better job of controlling the line of scrimmage. We didn't leave people uh, unblocked in very many cases at all. Our backs ran hard. Uh, our our quarterback did, I think, the best job he's done uh, all season, for sure, of, of making all the plays that should be classified as fairly routine plays. And that's how you end up with 70% completions, of course, is being able to make those plays that that are there to be made. So a lot of good signs that, that uh, came out of the day. And it was good to see because our guys gained some confidence on offense with how they can play. And, of course, they're going to need that confidence when they go on the road and play people like Purdue starting next week. So, Don, I mean, we saw I mean, when they can run the ball, it's a completely different situation for Spencer, for everybody. And... I mean, we saw that. I mean, it just makes play action and everything so much easier. When, when I say run the ball, when they can get at least 150 yards rushing, and they had 173. Right. Yeah, here's the thing that, that our guys knew. And when you get this deep in the season, as you know, I, I have ongoing uh, analytics of all the conference games over the course of the season. But when you get this deep into the schedule, the other thing I do is I look just specifically at the opponent and in this case, of course, Northwestern, as I looked at the four conference games they had played, there were five parameters that were won by the winning team in all four games. And I'll tell you what those parameters were now because it related to how we played on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the first parameter that, that, uh, that I ran across was total offense. That's the one parameter that doesn't mean as much as the other four, and I'll, I'll explain why here in a, a second. The other four parameters – 
all relate to each other, and I'll tell you what they were. <clears throat> one would be edge on rushing yardage, not rushing your opponent. Another one that was tied into that same aspect of the game, of course, was more rushing attempts than the opponent. <clears throat> and then beyond that, the others that were 100% win were edge on first downs and edge on time of possession. And all four of those parameters have a lot in common because they all relate to running the football with good efficiency and grinding out first downs, which, of course, keeps the other team off the field. Um, the three recent losses for Northwestern, those opponents that accomplished all those things, and against Nebraska, Northwestern accomplished all those same things too. So it was critical that we'd be able to get that done. That was the most logical way to win is to simply win those battles. We won those battles, and that's one reason it was such a routine win. I mean, Brian Ferentz, I thought for the most part, had a, um, as a play caller, I had no, I only had issue with one, and it's hindsight, of course. I did not like the third down play to Gavin Williams early. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it didn't work. It just looked doomed from the beginning. But for the most part, I thought Brian did a pretty good job. I thought he was somewhat creative, and I, I thought he did a good job of getting guys opportunities to make plays. What do you think? I thought we had a, a nice mix of run and pass. Yeah, yeah. You know, we mixed it. We kept them all balanced. Yes. They didn't know for sure what we were going to do next. <clears throat> the other thing that I, that I noticed that that I think goes unnoticed sometimes, we were more efficient in getting out of the huddle than we had been in recent recent games. Every game we had to burn a timeout or two uh, because we were about to about to get flagged for delay a game. Uh, this game we didn't have those issues. We got out of the huddle with plenty of time on the clock, and it was critical that we do that because we made good use of shifts in motion, more than we normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shifted, and then we motioned what we used to call a double-set change. Mm-hmm. You know, you change the formation by motion, but you can also change the formation by shifting, and typically you shift before you motion. <clears throat> You're really messing with the other team's head a little bit because you can bet the, <clears throat> those guys are just college guys. Their, their heads are spinning a little bit as to what the motion means, what the shift means. You don't give them much time to process what might happen. And you're not able to do that, of course, if you don't get out of the huddle in plenty of time. So that was good to see. Uh, Spencer had one of his best games, 21 out of 30. Most improvement, though, on Spencer's part, related to extending plays and avoiding sacks. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there were three throwaways. And you might say, well, shoot, that was three of our nine incompletions. That's correct. That's the way it should go in football. Hopefully you don't have any throwaways, but typically you do. And that's okay to throw the ball away as long as you're avoiding negative yardage. Uh, In this case, those three throwaways, I think it's almost certain that we eliminated three sacks. Sure. By throwing the ball away. Uh, And also my favorite play of the whole day was when there was a time when Spencer didn't climb up in the pocket as quickly as he should have. But there was another time when he absolutely did. And that's the play I'm about to talk about. And I know you remember the play. You'll laugh when I first saw the stats after the game. I, I, I looked at him and I thought, I don't remember Polybaum having a 17-yard pass reception. Yeah, that was the yep. – yeah. And, and then when I saw the replay of the game, uh, then it was obvious of why I couldn't remember it. Uh, it was simply a case of him dumping the ball to a guy. Spencer was within a yard of the line of scrimmage. But the point is, when he was working toward the line of scrimmage, he was still looking for a viable option other than just running the ball. I thought it was his best he play. He found that option. Yeah. Yeah, he found that option. That was my favorite play of the day. Yeah. 
because it was maybe a ball that was completed three or four yards downfield that went for 17. Uh, and it all started simply with Spencer having his eyes up and realizing I still have a chance to do something other than run the ball. Yep. Uh, I still have a chance to uh, see an open receiver. I flipped the ball to him and let him run with it, and that's exactly what happened. There was another time, Coach, where uh, Spencer ran for a first down, and we've talked about it a number of times. He made himself skinny to get the extra yard and to get the first down. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's it's um, you know these guys are just college guys, and they're still learning. You know, and and they keep continue to learn right up right up to the last college football game. And for that matter, a lot of them playing on Sunday, they're still learning too. So, so it was good to see uh, not just Spencer, but a lot of guys on offense play a really smart football game. Here's another thing that was so wonderful to see: you saw Spencer actually pull through some arm tackles that might have been resulted in sacks, but he was strong enough mm-hmm. to stay on his feet and not get pulled down. Um, that was good to see as well, of course. Uh, and what goes unnoticed is we played all day without a turnover. Uh, that's obviously a great way to start the game. Great way to finish the game, too, is to be plus on turnovers. And how many of you seen this in a game? Think about this. The last play of the first half was a pass interception, and the last play of the game was a touchdown. Uh, the yeah. odds of that are slim and none, but that's what happened on Saturday. And the other thing is there were at least two, maybe three drops, one in the end zone. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to bash on Deontay Vines, but because the first time he dropped it, that was a good play by the defender. He knocked the ball loose, but he should have had that ball in the back of the end zone. It was a little high. It was thrown hard, but at this level, you're supposed to make that catch, aren't you, Don? Yeah, it was a tough chance, but like, like you've heard me say before, if you sell out for the ball, I'm talking about leaving your feet and diving for the ball, and it then goes off your fingertips, we would reluctantly say that's not a drop. There's nothing else you could have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anything short of that, you have to classify as a drop. And I think it, that ball went a little more than just off his fingertips, I think. It was a tough chance, don't get me wrong. But that's the kind of play, of course, that I'm sure Deontay thinks he can make all the time. And there's nothing wrong with him thinking that way because that's what – that's what great receivers do is make those kind of catches. Sure, especially at this level. Now, looking at Northwestern, Iowa played with a lot of confidence Saturday, and obviously it helps when you have success early. But how much do you think that was because they went took that field saying, we can beat this team, we're better than this team? I just, I mean, how much do you attribute the success on Saturday to the fact that Northwestern's not very good? This, this I mean, Fitz, I'm not saying – Fitz has got some problems right now. They're – they don't have a lot of talent on either side of the ball right now. Their quarterback's not very – they got issues at quarterback. I mean, and he said in the post game, he goes, you know, we're just not executing. We're just not making plays. He, and he said, he goes, Iowa had some of the same problems, but they executed today. But how much of it, Don, is just Northwestern's not very good? Well, that's the part that's hard to, hard to quantify, of course. Uh, the thing that I am aware of, and, and um, here's what the naysayers would say, I guess, this is the same Northwestern team that lost – uh, at Northwestern to Southern Illinois. Yes. Uh, Southern Illinois is not, not among the best teams in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, Northern Iowa just Saturday went to Southern Illinois and beat the Salukis. So just to put it in perspective, Northwestern's the weakest team for sure in the West. I guess you'd have to say the weakest team in the Big Ten. I would say so, yeah. Uh, maybe they can prove otherwise these next few weeks. But the, the poor guys have to play Ohio State next week, as I recall. Yikes. Uh, that could get ugly in a hurry. Um, but anyway, 
the bottom line, you still have to do it. You still have to go out, and the first thing you have to do is not beat yourselves. And we did a great job of yes. that. We made the plays when they were there to be made. We haven't even discussed defense yet, but one thing that, that is obvious, if we do have a lead to protect, our guys are really good at doing that. Uh, that makes sense, of course, because now the other team has the pressure of playing from behind. And it's difficult to do that against a defense as good as ours. Um, you know, think about this. Uh, we really, the only thing, my biggest regret of the day, I was glad to see all kinds of backups in there playing on that last possession. But it just killed me to have to say that we gave up 13 points. Because our number one defense, of course, I said at halftime to Lisa, I said, it wouldn't surprise me if we pitch a shutout today. That's how well we're playing, and that's how much, that's how many problems Northwestern has in scoring against us. And you might recall when they, the one drive they had was a short field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, I think they had to convert, I know they did, they had to convert on fourth down, even then. Uh, so. Uh, it was our typical stellar job on defense. Here's what comes to mind for me about our defense. One of the things that makes us so hard to defend is we do a great job of rallying to the football. We always have more than one tackler there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and that all starts with everybody having to, having to hustle to the ball and, and show up. We always talk about hats to the ball, hats, men, and helmets, of course. Uh, we have a lot of hats to the ball. It's difficult. It's hard to make. One guy miss, it's damn near impossible to make two guys miss. You know, if you have a couple of guys that are closing on you, then good luck trying to break it, break out of that, that log jam. That's going to be a problem for you. And here's the other thing that makes our defense so difficult to defend. You have a hard time even figuring out where the rushers are coming from, uh, especially when we're, ahead of the, when we're ahead of the chains on defense, meaning third and long, second and long. Uh, you know, the way we line up, it's not just those four guys with their hands down. It's any number of other players. And for that matter, we might be dropping one of those defensive ends into coverage. So you're, you're in continually trying to figure out who's in, in fact coming. We do a good job disguising those, those pressures. Uh, and, of course, isn't this, isn't this a wonderful stat? Seven sacks by seven different players. Yeah. Yeah, That's they, amazing. I don't think that'll ever happen again. And they also had eight. It's just difficult to go ahead. I'm sorry. They also had eight different receivers who caught balls. Yeah. And Northwestern finished with 18 net rushing yards. They had 90 gained, 72 lost. Northwestern averaged what two point? Let's see. They averaged two point two point six yards per play. I believe it was. I've got the stats right here. Yeah, two point six yards per play. I mean, the only bad stat Iowa really had was Tory Taylor, one for twelve in punts. One punt for 12 yards. I mean, that was it. And I say that jokingly because, you know, Tory is human. He, but they didn't need Tory. He punted one time. Wasn't that weird? You're right. It was a little unusual, wasn't it? Because we, we punted so often and we punted so effectively. Incidentally, since we're talking about puntings, punting, we have to talk about punt returns. Mm-hmm. And how about four punt returns for 40 yards also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought Arlen well, was, was very aggressive. Say. Yeah, I thought he was very aggressive on – yeah, and I like the fact they got him the ball on the reverse and he scored a touchdown. I mean, what's the, the other thing that's interesting, Don, re, listen to this. I mean, Sam Laporta, six targets, five catches. Nico Regani, six targets, four catches. LaShawn Williams, three targets, three catches. Brody Breck, three targets, three catches. Deontay Vines, five targets, two catches. You could argue that two of those were drops. And then Arlen Bruce, three for two. And then Potabom, one for one. And Lachey, two for one. I mean, that's pretty efficient. 
Right. And and the the thing that that relates to is is Spencer giving them a more catchable ball. Yes. I'm talking about a ball that was more on target. There weren't so many high throws as you've seen in other games. Um, there were balls that were thrown. Uh, you've always heard me say, it, the, the great quarterback doesn't always throw a fastball. It's okay to take a little pace off the ball because it makes it easier to catch. Now, you have to know when to do that, of course. But there were times for sure when Spencer did that. I'm talking about, uh, you know, simple reads where maybe you were throwing the ball to a, a guy in the flat. You were throwing the ball on a simple out route, things like that. Uh, so that was good to see. We made we made the balls more catchable than normal, and our guys responded by catching them in almost every case. Well, Potterbaum's catch was ex- a perfect example of that, and it was it was so nice to see Spencer just take a little bit off it, and it was just a perfect uh, pitch and catch. Yeah, the ball didn't go zipping off his fingertips because it was coming in at at a high velocity. Yep. Uh, here's another thing that was good to see. Uh, it's the first time we've seen it in a long time. We saw a very successful two-minute drive at the end of the first half. Yeah. Uh, now, we only had 50 yards to go, but we also only had a 129 on the clock. So six plays, 50 yards. Uh, we scored with 22 seconds remaining, and we didn't even have to use our one remaining timeout, as I recall. Uh, so that was all good to see. You know, it's always good if you can finish the half with a score because it gives you a little momentum into that second half. And, Don, I feel pretty confident in saying now, I think the body of work is getting big enough to where Iowa's got themselves a kicker. I mean, Kirk's had a lot of great kickers. You guys had a lot of great kickers. But I think Drew Stevens is the real deal. He's he's 11 for 12 on the season now. He's got a 54-yarder, a 51-yarder. I mean, and with a team that plays close games like Iowa does, he's going to be a huge factor over these next few seasons. Yeah, you're right. And, and Pat, you stole, you stole my thunder. I'd gone to the trouble of looking up – his field goal percentages also. You're right, 11 for 12. Uh, and, you know, it's, my gosh, it's hard to be perfect. It's like it's like a professional golfer saying he never misses a five-foot putt, you know. As well as they putt, they still miss a putt every now and then. Uh, but that 54-yarder, I, I remember as it was happening, I remember looking at the flags and thinking, this is going to be a challenge because mm-hmm. it's actually into a slight wind. Uh, but he hit it perfectly. He did. And the nice thing about his kicks, too, a lot of a lot of college kickers, they really hook the ball a lot, and and typically if they miss, if they're right footed, they typically miss left mm-hmm. because the ball simply hooks outside the uprights. Uh, that kick drew a little bit, not much, and it, it might have been because of the wind as much as anything. I'm always amazed at the NFL kickers. Somehow those guys, as they become professional kickers, they actually hit a ball that's pretty much dead straight. It's very yeah. seldom. The best kickers don't really draw the ball like you see so many college kickers do. And I don't know how they learn it, but they do learn it transitioning from college to pro. I'm sure the pros tell them, listen, if you want a bunch of money to kick a football, you better figure out how to kick it straight because we don't like we don't like the ball having to bend out of the out of the uprights. And and Drew's kicks in general do go straight. We talked before about that old phrase splitting the uprights. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at those PATs, they're down the middle. Uh, and even those hash mark kicks, I swear it's hard to tell exactly where the ball went through the upright, but it appears even off the hash and even off even off those 22-yard field goals that are difficult to hit off the right hash because it's such an extreme angle. Mm-hmm. It looks like the ball, again, is down the middle. Uh, he's just really a perfectionist when it comes to placement, and let's not lose sight of the fact 
he's also damn good on kickoff. He sure is. And uh, a freshman. Good hang time, good distance. People think twice about returning the kicks because oftentimes, of course, they're a yard or two in the end zone, if not deeper. And the kicks invariably have good hang time. Uh, and, and last but not least, we've been known to have really good coverage also. So they're thinking long and hard about returning the kickoff. Yeah, I think he's got 23 touchbacks and 32 kicks, which is impressive. Yeah, it is. And he's only a freshman. Yep. And uh, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being first-team All-Big Ten. I don't know that there's a better the guy from Michigan. The, the guy from Michigan's having a pretty good year, and he was the defending Lou Groza, so I don't know how much that impacts. But, no, you're That's right. True. Stats-wise, you can't be much better than – 11 for 12. No, no. no you really can't. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Caleb Johnson and what he looks like as a back to you and, and uh, what it means going forward for our team. Well, the thing I, the, I love about Caleb, I made a note as I was looking at the video, Caleb Johnson does a great job of running behind his pads. That's a term that you've heard before. Basically, it means running with power. You know, when you make contact – it seems like you're able to pull through as a runner more often than the average back. I think people are surprised when they hit Caleb because there's a little more force behind that contact than what they expected. And that's why you see him pulling through a lot of arm tackles. He does a good job of, uh, of, of dropping his pads a little bit. He's still a pretty upright runner in most cases, but on contact, you will see him drop his pads a little bit and run with good power. Uh, you know, an arm tackles typically going to have a hard time getting him down. You're going to have to hit him with some force. And I, what I hope to see going forward, and I'd rather have this problem with Caleb than, than the other problem. I would rather him make not enough moves rather than make too many moves. And you know what I mean by too many moves. I like to see a guy that's a north-south runner uh, up to a point. I like to see that because he's efficient with how he runs. If it's cleanly blocked, He's downfield in a hurry. You know, he's he's covered eight or ten yards quicker than most backs because he simply runs without any hesitation. You know, he runs with power. He runs with some vision. Uh, I do think as you see him going forward, I think he has a chance to remind us even more of the guy that I remember very well, and you do too, a guy named Cedric Shaw. Uh, Cedric Shaw was such a, an efficient runner because he was really two runners in one. Oftentimes, he would drop his pads and run through your tackle, a lot like Caleb does. But there were other times when Cedric would put his foot in the ground and actually change directions and run away from you. And that made him really difficult to tackle because you didn't know which version of Cedric you were going to see from one down to the next. No, that's a good comparison. I mean, yeah, Cedric's one of the all-time leading rushers, of course. And I think certainly Caleb, as a freshman, is off to a great start. Maybe Caleb can get that done over his career too. I think there's certainly a good chance that he can. Cedric is I haven't said that. Yeah. He, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Cedric is I is Iowa's all-time leading rusher still with over 4,100 yards. And and I, it, when I watch Caleb, he and I'm not making the comparison, even though I am. He runs a little bit like Eric Dickerson in that he's upright. He's not as big. He's not as fast by any means. But that's who he sort of reminds me of because he runs so upright, but he makes it work. Even though he runs yeah, upright, right. he seems to get the advantage with leverage. Well, here's, here's another thing that comes to mind. Uh, you remember early in the season especially, there were people that underestimated his speed mm-hmm. that took a bad angle. Uh, and it's simply because he's, he's a glider. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't, he's got long stride length compared to a lot of backs. I'm talking about, in, especially in the open field. Yeah. You'll see him stretch out and run. 
and the feet aren't hitting the ground as quickly as as some backs maybe, but he's got longer stride length, which means he's faster. Yep, just like Eric and, Dickerson. And that's exactly what Dickerson was. Yep. Yeah. You know, he had deceptive speed. Sealy, Texas. I saw him play in high school, Don. Way, yeah, he was the real deal. He was the real he deal. He ran for a lot of yards on Sunday, too, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he still holds the – I think he still holds I the NFL single-season yeah. rushing record. He had those glasses, and he was about 6'3". He was one of my favorite running backs. But, but no, I thought um, – um, Caleb was very impressive. I want to go back to Drew Stevens for one other point. What I thought was really cool in the post game, when he was talking to the media, he made a point of bringing up the fact that Alex Blom, Aaron Blom, I don't know why I call him Alex Blom, well, Aaron Blom, who started the first two games as the kicker at, on field goals, pushes him every day in practice because he's so good. And he basically said, he goes, if I don't bring it in practice, I'm not, I'm Aaron, Aaron Blome's right there. And then he also praised Torrey Taylor and Luke Elkin, the holder and the snapper. But I thought it was really cool that he made a point of praising Aaron Blome. I think that's what you need. Cause Don, imagine this has been tough on Aaron Blome. I mean, it has to have been, you know, these guys are competitors. They want to play. He lost his starting position. You can't argue with the switch. It's obviously the right move, but isn't that, that's how you build team camaraderie and chemistry. I thought that was pretty cool by Drew Stevens to make a point of mentioning yeah you're exactly right and and i'm glad you brought up the snapper and the holder because they both do a great job uh that's elkin on, on is that elkin on yes the PAT field goals? i think it is yes it? yep he's the holder or he's the snapper and tory taylor's the holder and um drew said they're both like robots he goes they're just they're they're just it's all methodical preparation and they just do what they're supposed to do and i just thought that was a pretty good kid's an 18 year old kid up there thinking about stuff like that i thought that was impressive yeah, you're right. You know, the thing I, I can't help but notice, because our seats are, you know, right there behind the bench, uh, I can't help but notice that in warm-ups, uh, that snapper again, he's an unsung hero because that ball is on the money. It is. I don't want to jinx the guy, but my gosh, that ball is on the money with good velocity on punts and and field goals. And, of course, with, with placement kicks, um, maybe you take a little bit, again, pace again. You know, you're only eight yards deep or maybe a little less than eight. So that ball gets to you in a hurry. Obviously, it's not quite as critical to have velocity on on a field goal attempt as it is on punt. Um, And um, so you're right. Torrey does a great job of holding. And for that matter, our snapper does a great job, too. Yeah, and I was watching. I can't remember what college game it was over the weekend. And this team, I can't remember who it was. They had so many weapons and whatever, but they've had a problem with snaps all year. And the play I had just watched, the snapper had snapped it over the head of the punter. And the punter barely yeah. could get off this tenure. It's amazing. I mean, we don't think about Luke Elkin, and that's great. If you think about the launch snapper, and if you're talking about the launch snapper on numerous occasions, that means something's you going wrong. You got problems. Wrong. You yep. got problems. And they don't – I can't remember the last time I always had problems with a launch snapper. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let me touch on one thing about defense. Uh, I just have to single him out all over again. Uh, Jack Campbell is so much fun to watch. I'll give you a specific example. There was one play where he was designed as a, as a rusher. You know, he was coming on a stunt. Uh, he was deep into our backfield, but the ball got out before he got home, which happens in football, of course. The ball was just thrown a little bit beyond the line of scrimmage. But here's what was amazing to see. Number 31 puts on his brakes, redirects toward the ball, hustles, sprints toward the ball, and makes a tackle for a gain of five. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And the reason I bring it up is Jack Campbell sets a great example for those other 10 guys because he'll he'll put you to shame if you don't do the same thing. 
you know, he set such a, an example, and and that kind of effort is is uh, contagious, and um, and that's one reason we're such a good defense. We rally to the football. Jack ends up with eleven total tackles. Jay Higgins also ends up with eleven total well, my, tackles. Yeah, the stats I have say twelve for Higgins and nine for Campbell from the Iowa stats. Well, that's good to know. I'm just going off. The, I'm just going off the play-by-play. Yeah, I've got the Iowa uh, stats in front of me. Higgins had 12, seven solo, five assists. Campbell, Campbell only had two solo, and he had seven assists. But still, like the play you were bringing up, how fast he is for a six-five, two hundred and fifty. The way he pursues sideways, sideline to sideline, is very impressive. I mean, I could see him yeah. playing defensive end or linebacker in the NFL. Couldn't you? Well, I tell you who it reminds me of. If you want to go back in time, are you an old Bears fan, Pat? I think you are. Yeah, I am. I yeah, am. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge. Yeah, I'm a huge Bears fan. Um, who you talk? Who How about you... a linebacker that I believe he played at New Mexico? Is that right? I'm talking about Brian Urlacher. Brian Urlacher. Yeah. yeah. The difference, he though, Urlacher, Brian Urlacher. Was, Urlacher was a defensive back in college, though. Remember, he was like a 225 pound safety, and they moved him to linebacker. But you're right, though. I see a lot of, but I think Jack's maybe even a little taller. I mean, Jack's about six five and. You're right, though. I think he just anchors that defense. They all feed off him. But I'm impressed with Jay Higgins is playing pretty well. I mean, he's going to be, if he keeps this up, he'll be known more than his dad, who's like this big Twitter. His dad's real popular on Twitter. But Jay Higgins, to get 12 tackles in that game, that's pretty impressive. And they need him because they don't have Justin Jacobs. So anytime they're going 4-3, they're using Jay Higgins now. And I, I thought he was impressive. The another one I want to bring up, Don, and you brought him up before too. It seems like whenever Sebastian Castro gets in there, he plays well. I, I just think he's always usually in position. You've brought him up a few times too, number 29. It's, he gives them another good option at defensive back. Yeah, he's a good football player uh, in part because he's just a good, aggressive yeah. player. Uh, and he's not afraid to play. He turns loose in plays, and, and that's what you should do, of course. I will say this. I, I gained new respect for Brendan Sullivan, that young quarterback. Tough he took kid. a beating. He did. Uh, but he kept getting up. Uh, and uh, let me single out Seth also. On one particular stunt, what impressed me, Seth actually, they had a guy assigned to block Seth. He simply ran him over, and, got, and the guy was Evan Hall. The guy was not your average back. Evan Hull is a very good football player. Yeah, he is. Uh, and we did a great job controlling him. But I have great respect for Evan. How about the swing pass? First off, that was a poor decision by Brendan Sullivan. You do not throw a swing pass versus a zone corner that's rolled up because you're going to get the guy killed. And you remember the play I'm talking yes. about. It was Riley Moss Yes. with a deep leader on, on Evan Hull. Evan Hull gets right back up. Uh, picks himself up, dusts himself off, and runs the football the very next play. Tough kid. That is a, that is a, a really neat demonstration of of toughness. Uh, but he he really paid a price on that play because because Riley really knocked his head off pretty much. Well, let's look ahead now to the Saturday's matchup in West Lafayette. I will be there, and we're going to leave Friday Friday afternoon. Um, I mean, I, I don't have I – mean, if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Purdue. I mean, obviously because they – Purdue's favored by seven. Purdue's favored, and they've got Iowa's number. They've won four out of the last five. But would not be surprised if Iowa went in there and won a game with this defense and whatever. But right now – I'm so what uh, What are the keys, Don? I mean, what, what does the Iowa defense have to do? I mean, this has been Phil Parker's kryptonite. I mean, he just – they Purdue has shredded Iowa's defense, and a lot of it with David Bill was they never played double. They never doubled him. They never – it seems like they always had a man on him. What What are the keys, do you think, going into this game? Name a few. Well, 
and and this year's version of David Bell is named Charlie Jones. And I don't think he's as good as David Bell, but he's good. But he's good. Yeah, he's very good. He's one of the best receivers in college football right now. And I say that because I'm just talking about results. Uh, his numbers are about as good as anybody. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Charlie's a, a wonderful player, and they do a great job of getting the ball. And obviously, O'Connell has great confidence in him. O'Connell's got the same confidence in Charlie that Spencer has in Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one reason Sam gets targeted week after week is because it's because Spencer has great confidence in him and Sam knows how to get open. Uh, well, Charlie knows how to get open, too. The thing that concerns me the most about Purdue, they have, a, have an off week. they got an extra week to prepare for us. Um, and I've always said that that uh, Purdue's head coach and this staff, I, I think, have to give the staff credit, not just, not just Jeff Brown, but the entire offensive staff. They do a great job of, of attacking us. They do a better job of attacking us, I think, than anybody mm-hmm. has in recent years. Uh, I do think maybe we're going to be we're a little more difficult to attack now this year than even last year, and I, I'll tell you one reason I say that we've we've shown a little more variety on defense with how we play. A good example is how we played against Northwestern. There was a lot of man coverage mixed in there, uh, and uh, and for that matter, let's not forget that we that we crossed up Ohio State with a lot of man free tight, especially in uh, short yardage situations, and we got up in Ohio State's receivers faces and, and they didn't handle it very well we did a good job defending them so it's it's a little more of a of a game of cat and mouse this year i think than it's been in recent years uh, i think i think purdue would even maybe they wouldn't say it publicly but i think at least privately they would acknowledge yeah i was improved their defense even more because they're less predictable with how they're going to play and i think that's a problem for them uh, you know, we, we've been more predictable, I think, in, in, in last year and the year before than we are this year. Uh, and that just ties into us being able to play with a lot of good, experienced players. And, you know, we've, uh, we've um, you know, we just challenged them to, to be able to learn other ways to play. You know, we, we don't just have one way to play defense. And by that, I'm primarily talking about coverage and how it relates to fronts and stunts. And um, but we need to be we need to change up our tendencies a little bit to be able to beat a team like Purdue to be able to control their offense. Uh, much as we had to change up, we had to we had to present some new looks for Ohio State. Otherwise, if we just show up and play with our normal our normal coverage, they're probably going to pick us apart certainly more than they did. You know, we did a good job of throwing them a little bit of a curveball. We need to do the same thing if we can. Need to do the same thing as it relates to Purdue's offense. So, Coach, my, when you're playing a team like Purdue with a quarterback like Aiden O'Connell who gets the ball out so quickly, what uh, can Phil do defensively to design a, a plan to cut cut down on their effectiveness a little bit? Well, I think just to just to be able to, to cross them up a little bit, we still need to be able to dis- disguise uh, what we're what we're about to do after the snap. You know, present one look to them pre-snap, and then, and then be able to work into um, some kind of different look than what you presented. Uh, that helps a lot. Uh, but what also helps a lot is just being able to slow down the run game. Uh, I know you don't you don't think of a rushing football team when you think of Purdue, but they're a little bit deceptive. You know, they run the ball well enough to keep you honest, uh, and that's what helps them a lot. Is they still have a good mix of running pass. You know, Purdue typically 
doesn't throw 50 times a game. They may throw 40. They may throw 35. That's for sure they're going to throw 35. Uh, but if they throw, if they have to throw 50 times, then I think they have a little bit of a problem too. You know, they want to be able to keep you honest. They want to try to not allow you to to pin your ears back and and be able to know for sure that it's going to be a pass play. Keep you a little bit honest with some draw plays, some screen passes. Uh, you know, some quick throws maybe behind the line that negate the pass rush that you might be planning on using. Uh, going back to Charlie Jones, okay, he knows our defense pretty well, having played against it for two years in practice. He also, uh, from our end, the, the defensive backs probably know Charlie Jones' favorite moves and stuff. Who has the advantage in that situation? Is it the defense or the offense? Because Charlie knows where he's going and the defense doesn't for sure. That's a good question, Tom. And honestly, I would say it's a push. Uh, you know, you're right. He does know our strengths and weaknesses of our of our corners because he's gone against them a lot in practice. Uh, on the other hand, we have a good idea of Charlie's strengths and weaknesses also. So I really think that's a push. I think I, I think it's uh, a net advantage for no one. Now we haven't mentioned Tyrone Tracy. It'll be interesting to see how they try to implement him. I mean, Tyrone does a little more run. Dave, I, when I watch Purdue, they sometimes run him on re, um, receiver sweeps and what have you. What, what kind of role do you think Tyrone – and how much do you think emotion – if you're the head coach, if you're Kirk, and if you're Jeff Brom, how much do you have to talk to your guys about the, and not getting too wrapped up in that storyline? Or do you think the media is going to make a way bigger deal about the Charlie-Tyrone-Iowa connection than those guys are really living it every day? What do you think? Well, I think the players are going to try to to uh, downplay the whole thing. Honestly, you know they're they're still friends. I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Charlie oh, they are still be friends. friends. Yeah, he, yeah, with Iowa football players for the rest of his days. Yeah, Charlie and Nico uh, talk and a lot. Charlie wouldn't want it any other way. You know, those those guys. You know, when you've been a teammate for a long period of time, as Charlie was with so many of those guys, they're still friends. Uh, you know, they they actually, I'm sure. Well, they, they'll never admit it publicly, but they even understand why he left. Oh, sure. You know, he wanted to play a bigger role than what he was playing at Iowa, and uh, and it's all worked out for him. Uh, so, and and getting back to Tyrone, even when Tyrone was playing for us, I remember making the comment to you guys before, you know, Tyrone maybe is not quite as reliable in terms of fielding it, each and every throw. But one thing I do like with Tyrone is when he gets the ball under his arm, He's dangerous he is. with what he can do with it. Yeah. He's an above-average runner. I'm sure that's still the case. That's one reason they sometimes just hand it to him or pitch it to him. Uh, but Tyrone uh, still concerns me just simply because he's a game-breaker. If, if you can get the ball into his hands, he may make some big plays. I think as the, the season's played out, I think he's played a little larger role maybe than what he did early. He has been, yeah. Uh, I, don't know that, I don't know that for a fact, but I just kind of get that feeling as I – is I have some idea of what the stats look like from one week to the next. Well, one of the more recent games they had, um, Tyrone actually had more. I mean, that one game where Charlie had three catches for 15 yards, Tyrone, I think, had like three for 40. So, yeah, he is uh, he's playing more of a prominent role, but he hasn't ever really had a huge game. But since we're talking about receivers, Don, I thought you'd find this interesting. Um, we had a recruiting story on Hawk Fanatic today 
the son of Iowa, all-time single-season sack leader Leroy Smith, and the godson of former Hawkeye wide receiver Danon Hughes. Texas wide receiver Ishmael Smith-Flores loved his official's visit. To, he was at Iowa this past week. I'm loving Iowa. The environment there was great. Wouldn't that be neat if Leroy Smith's son Fantastic. and Iowa desperately needs help at receiver? They've only got one in the tw- – I thought you'd find that interesting, though, that Leroy Smith's son is had just took an official visit to Iowa. Yeah, you know, I was aware that, that Leroy, I think I saw it on social media somewhere, that his son was a, an accomplished high school player. And it didn't surprise me because, let's face it, Leroy Smith was not your average Joe either. And I don't know Leroy's wife, but my guess is she's an athlete as well. And it's no surprise that his son might be an accomplished receiver. I'm not surprised. And Leroy, if some don't remember, he came to Iowa from New Jersey as a running back. I mean, you guys recruited him as a running back and you moved him to – defensive end and boy what a great do you remember how that decision how that thought process came to be you know i don't remember exactly the conversation but i know we knew this uh that's back in the days of what we call reduced fronts mm-hmm. an eagle defense was our base defense and that simply meant you know most teams of course showed up with one tight end and not two so on the split side of the formation <clears throat> let me back up you could you could offset your nose guard who you think of is lining up on the center. He would always line up in that strong side A-gap. You know, he would offset toward the tight end. And then, of course, to the tight end, you'd have a five technique and a nine technique, a guy over the tackle and a guy outside shade of the tight end. On the short side of the formation, though, you would have a three technique, a defensive tackle that's down over the guard, you know, outside shade of the guard. And then you'd have a reduced defensive end, and that was Leroy Smith. Uh, and that guy, you know, even though he was undersized, you might say, well, advantage to a to a 290-pound offensive tackle on running plays because Leroy maybe weighed, I don't know what Leroy weighed, 220, 225. Yeah. I think that's what he was listed at, something like that, yeah. He's definitely undersized. Uh, but when it, when it became third and long, oh, my God, those offensive tackles had no chance. Uh, you know, they couldn't block the guy. No, that 91. Uh, I believe he still has a single-season record for sacks, doesn't he? Yep, yeah, that 91 season was incredible. Man. So did did he just have such a great first step that he was able to get around those guys? Yeah, he could, but he could bend well, too. And he wasn't that tall. And that's actually, you think about it, if you're trying to bend to the quarterback, you know uh-huh. what I mean by bend. Sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. You start off at, at an angle, yep. mm-hmm. but the angle you start at is not going to be good enough to get to the quarterback. So you have to bend that angle a little bit inside. You've got a you've got a strain to get your helmet and shoulder pads beyond that offensive tackle. And the best way to do that, of course, is to be able to get underneath his uh, his level uh, and be able to have some force when you're when you're clearing that edge. Also, uh, be able to bend to the quarterback, and nobody could do it better than Leroy Smith. And um, a lot of offensive tackles, of course, they didn't even want to didn't even want to think about having to block him by themselves. They would have a back chipping on him, or they might have a tight end. Uh, they might have two tight ends on the field, you know, to try to give that tackle some help. Because if it was long yardage, good luck keeping Leroy off your quarterback. It simply wasn't going to work very well for you. Yeah, no, he was. He was so much fun to watch. That was my first. I wasn't the beat writer at that time, but that was my first year covering Iowa for the Press Citizen. I was one, and that that '91 season was. Uh, that was incredible because I remember Don. I mean, you did have. Um, you guys were coming off the Rose Bowl. And you did have a lot of people back, but it's not like it's not like everyone was picking Iowa in '91 to go win ten games. I, I mean, that was an impressive season, and the way Leroy just emerged that year. I mean, 
I mean, yeah, it was. I'm, but he was no one-hit wonder. He was good the year before too. But no, it was that was just very impressive. But I thought you'd like to. I thought you'd like to hear that. I mean, that just shows that they got to get some receivers. They've only got one in this class. And Don, in the time we have left, I wanted to ask you a little. I mean, you obviously did you see any of the video of the Michigan Michigan State tunnel um, scuffle? I just saw. I saw it on social media somewhere. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's now there's a debate about using teams using the same tunnel, which I've always found odd. But, I mean, they've done it for 100 years without many problems. Just your thoughts. A lot of people are saying that Michigan needs to change their system. I mean, have t- they, it's, you're just asking for trouble having teams use the same tunnel. And people will say, well, it's been going on for years. Well, t- these are different times now. With social media and stuff, things are just different now. And what do you think? I mean, um, and what do you think should happen? I mean, it was – I mean. It was, some, it was not good. It was not good. They showed three or four players just kicking this Michigan player, and the Michigan player supposedly now maybe has a broken nose. Just, just your thoughts as a former coach. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it's, it's happened. <clears throat> There's been a lot of bad blood, of course, between Michigan and Michigan State oh, yeah. for years. Uh, it doesn't help that before the game you had, uh, I believe, more than one Michigan player uh, just to publicly comment uh, you know, we're not just going to win this game. We're going to we're going to do everything we can to humiliate Michigan State. You know, they're saying comments like that. I don't know if that's exactly what was said, but I do know they predicted before the game uh, for Michigan State to say uh, we're guaranteeing a win in this football game. You know, we didn't get it done last year, and uh, they were in several cases they guaranteed a win. And to their credit, they backed it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were they were on a mission. Uh, and they have been ever since they lost to them a year ago, I guess, you'd have to say, with how they played. Uh, and they were clearly the best team. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, you know, I've already done the analytics on all the weekend's games, and they dominated uh, Michigan State in a lot of ways. I give Michigan State credit for hanging in there as best they could. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit like us hanging in there against Ohio State. You know, we were, they just had too many good good field positions. I'm going to look here as we're talking. Uh, as to the um, well, do you th- the stats from, from Don, Saturday. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Do you think having them use the same tunnel is too much being made of that? I mean, Iowa doesn't do that. I, I wouldn't like Iowa and Iowa State going through the same tunnel Not before. And, I mean, to me, that does – and I had never given it any thought, but now James Franklin complained about it, and now this happened. Do you, what's your thoughts on using the – did you guys ever have any trouble using the same tunnel when you were up at Michigan? James Franklin probably should have spent more time complaining about how his team played. That's I no I I can agree he does do a lot of whining. Yes, he does. But do you think there's being too much made of using the same tunnel? Well, you know, I I guess you could put a petition down the middle of the tunnel. That tunnel is simply not that wide though, of course. It's not. It's very narrow. Um yeah, you know, we went up there any number of times. I never worried about it because because we had good sportsmanship on our side and they had good sportsmanship on their side. And I know, Pat, you're probably right to say these are different times. You know, I don't, I don't think teams have that same, that same great discipline that teams had maybe 20 years ago. You're a little more likely to have one, one yahoo that that flies off the handle and creates a big scene. And um, I don't know how that Michigan player got in with. The he went. He, there's video. He he made a point of going. There's video of him. It was the Michigan State players were leaving, heading for the tunnel first. The Michigan players were behind them. But all of a sudden, you see this number one skipping, skipping past the Michigan players, kind of leaving his group of Michigan players and just kind of cutting in 
to the flow of Michigan State players going into the tunnel. So you could argue that maybe he was looking for trouble, talking trash, whatever. But still, I don't know if that qualif- that that doesn't mean you assault the guy. Okay, now I also read where somebody said that he was uh, going in ahead of the rest of his team because he was having an injury tended to. Well, if he I was don't injured, know if was, that's true. Why was he skipping? Well, I don't know. I yeah, mean, was, obviously it wasn't his legs. Yeah, he was skipping. Well, and he, should it been, looked like, he should have been with the trainer, of course, if he had an injury. Yes, he shouldn't have been by himself. Uh, yeah, yes. they, He would have been escorted in with the trainer if he had an injury. So, yeah, that was say. not the case. All right. uh, you know, the bottom line, I, I saw Coach Harbaugh, even before they were left the field, I saw Coach Harbaugh obviously concerned about any little scuffles between our guys and their guys. Uh, he was worried about trying to prevent that, I think. And I don't doubt that Michigan State's coach was, too. Uh, I don't know. You know, I didn't notice him as much as I noticed Harbaugh. But you could tell it was on Harbaugh's mind. You know, we don't need any silly fights at this point. Uh, I don't know what you do other than you, you clearly you have control of your football team. And, and you, you better discuss it before the game. I'm talking about both teams. Uh, I would imagine going forward at the very least, Every visiting team in the in the Ann Arbor is gonna gonna um, hear from their coach. Okay, we're in, here's here's our protocol for this damn tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna we're gonna cooperate with Michigan, and they're gonna cooperate with us, and we're not gonna have any of these silly fights. Uh, and if if you have a problem with that, then you're gonna be off this football team. You know, that's the kind of talk to that the players need. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't happen. I realize that guys are a little more free spirits now than what they used to be. I guess. Uh, but those are the same guys you better target before the game and be sure they understand, listen, you're not representing yourself. You're representing our program. You're representing our state, our university. And we're not going to allow you to represent it in a poor way. So any idea you got about picking a fight, you can forget about it. I mean, You know, that's the kind of discussion that needs to be ahead on both sides. And even if that Michigan player was talking trash and made a point of it, which was bad, I mean, but that doesn't, mean you should assault him. I that, mean, what I witnessed people, yeah. on video was assault. I mean, they were kicking this guy when he was down, and some people have been ripping the lack of security and, like, this guy, the I guess somebody, the Michigan State Director of Operations, someone said he was seen kind of... I mean, that's asking a lot for some guy to get in there and try to... One guy to try to break up a bunch of guys wearing pads, beating on a guy. I mean, I do wonder why there did seem to be policemen in the tunnel there that just kind of watched it. I, I, I It was just weird. It was unfortunate. And I just yeah. wonder if James Franklin complaining about it, if maybe that, I don't know. I don't want to blame it on him. I mean, it just, but it just seems weird that you'd have the James Franklin incident and, you know, him whining about it. And then boom, this happens. Cause you guys have been, Michigan's yeah. been, they've been using that tone for 95 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't See, remember it ever becoming an issue. Any number of stadiums and, and uh, good examples of Ohio State, uh, you know, this and, and there are other stadiums that are this way. When you leave your locker room, you have to go across the field to get to your bench, mm-hmm. right? You see teams crossing paths on the field of play, right? Yeah, yep. And it's it's never been an issue in general. It hasn't been an issue because one team is a little more prepared to go to the locker room or leave the locker room than the other. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the head coach is is there as the traffic cop, and if he tells his team to stop and 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 make way for the other team, then you simply do it. Uh, so uh, you you really don't see that as much of an issue. There are teams that cross paths on the field, on the playing field, to get to their benches. Maybe some teams set it up that way that they get some kind of intimidation mm-hmm. factor that you know they have to run across the field rather than than just down the sideline. 
Uh, I don't know. We don't have that problem at Kenny, of course, because our our uh, locker room feeds into our bench and theirs feeds into their bench. Perfect setup. Yeah. So it's not a problem. Yeah. But I don't know what you do at at at, um, at Michigan because it's a problem. That tunnel's not very wide. No. It hasn't been a problem. You know, all those years with Bo and Hayden, you know, both teams are very respectful of the other team. One team's clearly right there behind the other team going on the field, you know, because you basically take the field at the same time. Not much difference there. Um, and typically, of course, I think Michigan probably takes the field more often than not first for obvious reasons. They have to go across the field, and they have to jump up and tap their banner as they do. And, and of course, the, the visiting team is on the near bench. And so typically, as I recall, uh, the visiting team simply follows the home team onto the field. It's no big deal. We never think anything about it. You don't get extra points for taking the field early. Uh, so never was that big a deal. I guess the setup at Michigan, to me, the locker rooms are too close together. I mean, they're literally right across the hall from each other, if I remember. I've been in that Yeah, tunnel. they are. They're just too close together. And But, boy, at this stage, to restructure, that would be a lot of money. That would be a major construction. Major problem. Major project. It'll be interesting to see what they do. And, hey, I wanted to um, – I thought Illinois – Made it. I mean, I know it was only Nebraska, but they made it look like only Nebraska. To me, that game was one of those where okay, I could see Illinois going there and stubbing their toe. No, they they took care, took of, business. care of business. I mean, Brett's teams for real, Don. Yeah, they are. I'm, I'm looking here now of the top ten parameters. Uh, Nebraska won one of them. <laughs> Illinois won three, six, seven, eight of them. I mean, that's impressive. So they it won is. eight out of ten. Uh, Illinois won one. There was one tie. I can't remember where the tie was. Uh, but the only parameter Illinois lost to Nebraska was on explosive plays. Uh, but really? that's okay because, you know, Nebraska Nebraska wins on explosive plays. They so often lose on turnovers. They also mm-hmm. almost always lose on rushing yardage. Uh, you know, they're, just, they're not as good in the red zone typically. They they do hit big plays on people. They typically win that particular they do. You're right. parameter. But but super explosive plays are only ranked number six out of out of the top twenty five parameters. So uh, yeah, it counts, but it, it doesn't guarantee a win. There there are five other parameters that have more value than than super explosive plays. I'm beginning to think Illinois. Uh, so, might... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, anyway, it was just a dominating game. Just for the record, our game was the same kind of domination over Northwestern. Mm-hmm. We actually won. Let me look here. Six, seven, eight, nine. We actually won all of the top ten parameters. All wow. ten. Um, Northwestern won one of the top fifteen parameters, and that was it. Just one. So, Don, if you're, I believe it was, if if you're North- the second or third quarter scoring, I can't remember which. If you're a Northwestern fan, I know people joke, well, they don't have Northwest. They're, they're, how concerned are you, or are you just saying Fitz will get it done? He always does. I mean. That was a that was one of the least impressive Northwestern teams I've seen. They weren't very good. I mean, how concerned are you about? I mean, do you think at some point Fitz hits a wall and digs a hole that he can't climb out of? Even Fitz at his alma mater. Well, I gosh, I hate to think so. He's such a good representative for the he school, is. and and uh, I know he's their favorite son, and they they're going to give him every opportunity to, to. He's coached there for seventeen years, I believe. Yeah, they're going to give him every opportunity to finish his career there, uh, but. You are right about one thing. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. Here's one reason it's difficult. Uh, and there's a really good explanation for why it happened. 
Uh, let's not forget Fitz lost a really, really good defensive coordinator to retirement. That's uh, true. Mike Hankwitz, yeah. I've known him for a long time. One of the best coaches I've ever known. He was their defensive coordinator, right. I think, up until just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Two or three years ago. He's been retired now for a, a, a few years, a couple of three. And um, nothing against the new coordinator, but there's no way you can convince me that he's as good as the last one because I knew the last one really well. And the last one, of course, had great results for year after year. So that's the challenge as, you, as you're at a place for a long time. And you've heard me talk about that with Hayden. As Hayden got older, we lost good coaches. Yeah. We lost coaches like, you know, Barry Alvarez and Dan McCartney and Bernie Wyatt. Bill Snyder. We lost Bill Snyder. We lost a lot of good coaches. Yeah. Uh, we lost Kirk Ferentz. You know, yeah. we lost a lot of good coaches. Good coaches are hard to replace. And I think my guess is uh, that that's one of Northwestern's problems. Maybe Mike Hankwitz is not the only good coach that they've lost. They've lost others, too. Well, I, I want to ask you about Iowa State. They're now 0-5 in conference play. Um, are, are you, are you surpri- First of all, are you surprised they're 0-5? I don't, know, I don't know how much you've had time to watch them play. I watched a little bit of the game the other day. It just seems like Iowa State, well, they can't run the ball, first of all. I mean, Decker's through, I think, 50 sometimes or whatever. They can't run the ball. But how surprised are you that, I mean, Iowa State's really struggling. I'm a little bit surprised just because of how well they played against us. Uh, and let's face it, some of their problems are very similar to our problems. You know, they, they, I think they're maybe even now number one in the, in the Big 12 in defense, certainly among the best defenses in the, in the Big 12. But their struggles are on offense, mm-hmm. just as so many of our struggles have been on offense, too. Uh, I know one difference. We have a better kicker than they do. I know that. Yes. I don't know how that centered into the losses. But a lot of one-score games, of course, that they haven't been able to finish. Um, it's just a fine line between winning and losing. And and um, and you, you mentioned that 91 season. I want to make one comment about the 91 season. You've heard me say this before, I think, but a lot of the listeners maybe haven't heard it. It really is true. 90 was a magical season. You know, we went to the Rose Bowl. But we lost some good players off that 1990 team. Yeah. And yet one, one year later, we had a better regular season record. We were 10-1 and one with a loss only to Michigan. Yep. Uh, Michigan, of course, went to Pasadena. And uh, after that season, I'll never forget what Coach Fry said. And you've heard me say it on the air before. Coach Fry made the comment, the smartest thing we did is we never told them they weren't that good. Uh, and that's a true statement. That was said. And it really is true. That was Coach Fry's. Um, mantra for all those years of coaching, successful coaching, you build them up, you don't tear them down. You know, you inspire those players to play better than what they think they could play. And that's exactly what our coaches are trying to do now is to build up these guys. Uh, and um, and maybe they don't have to realize that they're not that good. Maybe they only realize it years later when they go back and reflect on how successful they were. Uh, you know, maybe they're able to think, you know what, I'm glad the coaches believed in us because, you know, that inspired us to play better than what we thought we could play. Uh, hopefully it works that way for so many of our guys that are, are finishing out their eligibility here at Iowa. Coach, I have one more question for you. Uh, going back okay. to Purdue a little bit, um, Jeff Brown, of course, is known for offense. We kind of know what to expect from his offense. Defensively, you, you don't talk about Purdue very much. Last year they had that car, edge rusher, Karloftis, who just gave us fits. Do they have anybody close to him this year, and what can we expect from Purdue defensively? You know, I wish I could give you a better answer, Tom, because I simply don't know that much about Purdue's personnel. 
Uh, I've seen them a little bit, of course, looking at a lot of different games. Uh, thank God for the Big Ten Network and those 60-second reduced games, you know, because it gives you a chance to at least get some idea of how other teams are playing. Uh, you know, uh, last year was a good example. Uh, this might surprise a lot of Iowa fans, but it's true. Purdue actually outrushed us a year ago. And um, you might say, well, that's kind of surprising because I know we didn't give up that many yards. No, but they didn't give up that many yards either. Matter of fact, they gave up fewer than we did yeah, yeah, when we yeah. played them head-to-head. So they still seem to – I think this year, if you look at most of the stats, and right now the average Iowa fans a little more aware of national stats than normal simply because they've been – uh, they've been focused on how well our defense has done in the national stats and, of course, also focused on the struggles we've had on offense. But if you look at the national stats, I believe right now I believe Purdue probably comes in as an above-average defense in just about all categories. Now, they're not in the lofty area that we're in right now with our defense, uh, but let's face it, uh, they certainly can defend most people pretty well. They're getting above-average results. That's one reason Purdue's having a good season. Uh, frankly, they were they were a little bit unlucky to lose in the early season. Uh, who beat them early season? Was Sy- it Penn State? Syri- well, Penn State and then Syracuse, Syracuse beat them when, yeah. when Purdue just imploded. They had two um, sportsmanlike penalties that pretty much yeah. sealed the defeat. Yeah, you're right. And when you go back and look at the analytics, there's a game or two where it's kind of hard to imagine that that Purdue lost. I couldn't remember if it was against it wasn't against Illinois because they haven't played yet, right? That's going to end up in many ways being a showdown game here in the West. I think that's next week. Uh, I yes, believe it, it was Penn State. Penn State was lucky. Penn to State beat, beat them. Penn State, yeah, they lost to Penn State and Syracuse, and then um, what was their other one? They oh, and then they got pounded by Wisconsin. I think there's going to be more pressure on Purdue to win this game in a lot of ways because I don't think anyone outside of Iowa thinks Iowa's going to win. I, I, I don't I, I think most people think Purdue they've got Iowa's number the Charlie Jones story I but it would not I mean Jeff Brom has been in situations like this before where it looks like Purdue's ready to surge or whatever and then and they, they lay don't an egg. get there they yep. just haven't done that against Iowa but they've laid eggs against other teams maybe this will be a year where they lay an egg against Iowa because I guarantee you maybe I'm wrong but Charlie and Tyrone are gonna be pressing a little bit they're gonna want to play their butts off in this game sometimes Don can't you try too hard and maybe that'll backfire yeah maybe maybe you know there's a simple explanation for the Wisconsin game it's called minus three on turnovers yeah yeah um, so, yeah, if we're plus three on turnovers, we'll beat Purdue. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to be easy to be plus three on turnovers. Uh, that's a challenge for anyone. Wisconsin was able to get it done, but let's not forget, Wisconsin was playing in Camp Randall also. That's true. Good point. Good point. Uh, and we have to go to them. I'm looking back at Purdue and and Penn State, that 35-31 game. I believe that was in week, week one. It was. It was. Uh, I know it was. Yeah. And if you look at the top 15 parameters, Penn State won seven, Purdue won seven. That game in so many ways was a toss-up game. It's a game that could have easily gone Purdue's way, and you've already mentioned Syracuse. So you're right about one thing. If you can if you can take the game into the last minute with the outcome still in doubt, um, you'd say advantage to Iowa at that point because Purdue's lost other games this year in the last minute too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, the challenge for us, of course, is to get into that last minute with a chance to still win the game. That'll be a challenge because Purdue's uh, – their history is that they seem to have a good idea of how to 
how to execute on offense against Iowa and how mm-hmm. to defend Iowa as well. Yep. Uh, we'll see if they can get that done. We need to throw them a few curves, and I don't doubt for a second that Phil Parker will have that in mind, and I'm sure that Brian will too. All right, Coach, thank you so much for your time this morning, for your insight, and let's hope uh, a week from today we have a yes. huge Hawkeye victory to talk about. Because it would be big. Absolutely. All right, Donnie. Absolutely. We look forward to it. Have a good week. Enjoy the weather. It's going to be nice all week. I'm going to be on a golf course, I believe, this week. All right. All right. Enjoy yourself. (laughs) One last time. Okay, Donnie. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, this weather is... Unbelievable. I mean, all week it's supposed to be pretty good, isn't it? Till uh, till the weekend, right? Yeah, uh, Thursday night, uh, Friday, and... Possible rain. Yeah, possible oh, well, rain. But no, Saturday. I mean, we could be talking snow oh, at this yeah, time of year. Oh, yeah. But the weather, it's just, what's the temperature going to be like on Friday and Saturday? Uh, Mid-60s oh, Friday, yeah. upper 50s Saturday. So and I'm guessing West Lafayette will probably uh, see if it finds be probably a little cooler. No, they're usually. Maybe? Well, I guess, no, it's usually, um, usually Bloomington and Indianapolis are usually a little warmer. It seems like whenever I go to the Big Ten tournament, it's always warmer in Indianapolis than it is here. But I'm sure it's probably pretty similar. I mean, yeah. hope and well, if there's a lot of precip on side, to me that would hurt Purdue more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, let let it rain. <laughs> but no, we've the weather's really not been a factor. I mean, it was beautiful Saturday. I mean, I, I Saturday was just almost a computer day, wasn't it? And I couldn't believe it. I thought there was going to be way more problems getting to the. Saturday was the easiest drive I've had to the stadium. Seventy-two Friday, seventy-two Saturday. Wow, and no God. rain. And no, no rain. No rain till Sunday. Wow. I mean, I'm going to bring My shorts. God. Shorts. I mean, wearing <laughs> shorts to the game in November. Shorts and a wife beater. Speedo and a wife beater. <laughs> Would they let me in with speeder, wife beater, and and cowboy boots? You think they'd let me in? Yes. Yeah, it's Indiana. <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> Probably hire me. <laughs> Why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, talk about some other stuff. From the Hurting and Stalker Studios in the stuff. heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurting and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making Mostly cloudy this morning, becoming mostly sunny by later this afternoon. We'll get to about 66 today with wind northwesterly at 5 to 10. Clear tonight, 38 tomorrow. Mostly sunny, 72. We'll get to 74 on Wednesday. We'll stay in the 70s Thursday, but we will cool down and bring in a few scattered showers Friday, Saturday into the weekend. Highs will also drop back into the low 60s by Saturday and Sunday. I'm meteorologist Sean Cable on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. Right now, it's 48. KCJJ Weather, brought to you by Plum Supply. Plum Supply, kitchens and baths, your home never looks so beautiful. 1-800-800-ROSE. 1-800-800-ROSE, your MTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy. Just remember one number, 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. 1-800-800-ROSE. Remember... 
for a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime. Find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. Ask for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of us is always there. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Hi, this is State Senator Kevin Kinney. I'm a farmer, a retired deputy sheriff, and I'm running for re-election to keep our families safe and lower costs for hard-working Iowans. It's election season, so you've probably heard a lot of false negative ads about me. Here's the truth. In the legislature, I voted to cut taxes. I worked across the aisle with members of both parties to actually get things done, including passing bills to expand economic opportunity for farmers and crack down on elder abuse. I spent more than 30 years in law enforcement. I still farm our family's century farm in Oxford, and I'll never hide behind the misleading ads or slinging mud to trick people into voting for me. Whether we agree on something or not, I'll always tell the truth. Give folks a fair shake and shoot straight with you. Bottom line, you'll always hear what I believe directly from me, not from some attack ad. That's my promise to you. I'm Kevin Kinney, and I'm proud to approve this message. Paid for by Kevin Kinney for State Senate. GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at suples.net or call 337-2246. Hi, this is Patrick Eads, owner of Deary Brothers Lincoln in Iowa City. Let me tell you why right now is an absolute great time to buy a new Lincoln. Custom order the exact vehicle you want from interior and exterior colors and a full range of equipment content. Your vehicle, your way. Plus, with an unusually high used car market, trade-in values are more now than we've ever seen before. Stop by Deary Brothers Lincoln at Highway 1 and Mormon Trek, Iowa City. Hi, this is Jill Sterner with Sterner Taxidermy in Lone Tree. It's hunting season again, and I'm inviting all of you hunters to follow us on our Facebook page. You can view Dirk's award-winning artistry, his workmanship that he completes with each individual piece. We can be reached at 319-330-1774. Again, 319-330-1774. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. 
Downtown Iowa City's best new restaurant and bar is Players Sports Bar and Grill. From Big Burger Mondays, Tex-Mex tacos, and a variety of soups, salads, and vegetarian options as well. Players Sports Bar and Grill also features their famous Chicago Dog and the Iowa Dog, an all-beef bacon-wrapped hot dog smothered in corn relish, bacon, and ranch. Located at 219 Iowa Avenue, Players Sports Bar and Grill has both socially distanced dine-in and carry-out through Chomp Delivery. Daily deals and full menu options are on the website, playersic.com, or place an order at 319-800-2199. That's 319-800-2199. Players Sports Bar and Grill, great food, craft cocktails, and the ultimate place to watch your favorite sporting event. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry, as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit DiamondDentalPC.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. Hawkeye fans, you love watching the black and gold. You know Hawkeye Black and Gold. As a Hawkeye fan, there are no better colors than the Hawkeye Black and Gold. Hi, I'm Steve Anderson. When you're buying, selling, or refinancing your property, consider the green and white team, Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Give us a call at 351-8600. Hawkeye Title and Settlement. The team you love, the people you trust. Henry's Painting in Coralville is your premier source that offers free estimates, fair pricing, and quality work. Owner Henry Herrera is an Iowa City West alum who uses only Sherwin-Williams products for his projects. With cooler weather upon us, it's time to consider interior repaint jobs for your home or business. Find them online at henryspaintingcontract.com, on Facebook, or give Henry a call at 319 319- 333-9796. Henry's Painting. They don't cut corners, they paint them. Hi, this is Bill Eichstring of the Oxyok Inn. Especially now, all of us need a little comfort. The Oxyok has been offering comfort for over 80 years. From our signature recipes, quality of food, and family-style service, to historical ambiance, a return to the Oxyok is like a warm hug with lunch, dinner, and banquets daily. You can still order curbside carryout, including our famous pies to go, and take the comforting taste of the Oxyok home with you to share at your family's table. Visit oxyokin.com for hours, menus, reservations, weekly specials, and gift cards. From our family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon, and we'll be glad you're here at the Oxyok Inn in the heart of a man. Hawkfanatic.com is back. 
We're back. Completely back. Triumphant return. So, yeah, kind of not a lot of great games in the Big Ten this week. No, there's not a lot of great teams in the Big Ten, so it's hard well, to have great games. <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, there's two good teams in the Big Ten this year, and the rest are okay to below average. To below average. No, that's accurate. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State's not very good. I mean, they did. They just can't beat good teams. No. Penn State's probably the third or fourth best team in the conference, but there's a huge drop from two to three, whoever yeah. three is. Huge. Illinois might be. Illinois, Illinois might, so far. Illinois might be three because, you know, yeah. everyone says, well, they only beat Iowa 96. They lost their starting quarterback in the first quarter. The guy was sh- playing very well in the game before he went down. They were a completely different team yeah. with Tommy DeVito. I'm guessing they would have won by more. Uh, I'm guessing they would have too. I found that page you okay. were looking for, so just something like that. All right. Hello. Hello. How long do you think our starters will stay in tonight? Um, oh, I have no idea. I, I mean, the, the whole point of an exhibition game is to see everybody, uh, everybody play, get minutes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, may, they'll, they'll play less than half the game, I, I would, would think. certainly think. Do you think it'll be anything like the women's score? No. I, no, I don't think it'll be that bad, no. And... Uh, <clears throat> The World Series begins again tonight at Philadelphia. Okay. Is that one to one? And they're tied one one each team is one one. Mm-hmm. Well, good and luck so, to both teams. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I probably won't watch a pitch. Maybe some mm-hmm. what's the Monday night football? There's a Monday night football game. I don't know what it is, but but yeah, Truman State oh, against Browns in the oh Bengals, yeah, yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. Truman State with Jeff Horner coming up here tonight for an exhibition game. Get the men's basketball season started. Big thing you hope and stuff like this. Just no injuries. No injuries. That's it. Yeah, that's 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 what you always expect. You just kind of like to see what they what they're going to look like and how the season might end up going. I will not be there. Dallas Jones <laughs> is going to be covering it for Hawk Fanatic tonight. Uh, it's I my plan the to be there. Because you got to see everybody. But the only thing I don't like is there's no way to tell who the heck is. You have to listen to the announcer tell you the name of the players, and then you try to memorize the numbers because there's no programs, no papers, nothing. Well, I know what the players look like. So, I mean, I have a pretty good idea about our team. Well, and at the baseball, at least they stick a paper out. Listing who the players are. Yeah, but um, I mean, you can get our a list of our roster on anywhere, uh, you know, online. Well, I suppose you work on it, but who who knows how to do that? I don't. Well, you better learn. You go to Google <laughs> and type in Iowa bas- yeah. Iowa men's basketball roster. I don't have a computer, so I can't do that. Ah, ah. but you have yeah. a smart. You have a smartphone. I have a smartphone, but I'm not smart. Well, well does it have a Google on it? Yeah, it does. Okay. There you go. Type in Iowa. Click on Google, type yeah. in Iowa men's basketball roster. Yeah. And you shall have And then it. it'll come up? Yep. Yes. Or can you yell it in there? <laughs> if you have it set up, yes. Yeah. Because usually if I'm going to know something, I yell in there and they tell me. Okay, well then, yeah. Just yeah, yell. Yell. Yeah. I don't know that you Make have a to scene. yell. <laughs> I think you can. <laughs> I I'm the kind I'm a plugger. I like I like things set the way they were and programs and that stuff. Yeah. I'm not that crazy about smartphones or computers. 
Well, if you want to find the roster, it's there for you. It'll take you 10 seconds. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, Carl. Bye, Carl. Google is your friend. Sometimes. Most of the time. Yeah. Not so, always. No. <laughs> Nothing on no, there is not your always. friend no. all the time. No. <laughs> no. Uh. Hello. Well, I got one thing that uh, Google doesn't have the answer for. Okay. Why doesn't the gym class have phone callers? Have you tried? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll bet he hasn't tried. I don't know. I don't I haven't listened to it in years now. I got tired of the crickets. Yeah. 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 What are you looking at me for? I don't have my glasses. I'm not really. I'm just staring yeah. blindly out. And <laughs> Why don't you have your glasses? Well, what's up? I don't. Who you to... drove here? Oh, I've got them here. Oh, oh, okay. Here. I just don't have them just on now. Just doesn't have them. I mean, what do okay. I need to see now? I mean, it's just, there's nothing to look at now. You got a haircut? No, like three weeks ago. No, I got a haircut. Oh, well, what do I care? <laughs> well, you're staring you at me. Steve. I'm not just, staring at you. I'm staring. Just, I'm staring just straight ahead. But I wouldn't be staring at your hair, and I didn't notice that you got a haircut. But I'm happy for you. Well, I did. I'm, I'm, it looks good. Jan did it. Yeah, it looks good. Jan cuts my hair. A salad she? bowl or a <laughs> uh, dinner plate? No, no. I uh, when we had uh, um, sports clips as a as a sponsor, I couldn't say that I'd had Jan do my hair. Yeah. Uh, but the one time I went to sports, that's clips, where I go. Well, not sports clips. I go to the place right by where you live. Great clips. By Laundromania. Yeah. Yeah, Are they yeah. great? They're okay. They're okay. Sports okay. clips, I don't know what happened because uh, everybody else had a decent haircut. But they only uh, they cut one side of my head shorter than the other one. And it was really ridiculous. I like the scalp <laughs> massage and the other yeah, extra well, st- hot towels. I like that too. But Are they still around? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to go to the one when they were an advertiser, but I, it was too far away out by the mall. I mean, yeah. Great Clips is convenient, not far from where I live. And, eh, other than if you don't sign up online, every time you go in there, it's a two-hour wait. I mean, it's always a two-hour wait. And I... Um, Get me right in. Seriously. Yeah, I, I've never... Well, it's all of its timing. It's yeah. luck, it's, it's a luck, but usually there's a two-hour wait. I don't ever sign up online. I'm just not that way. So I'll go in there and then come back. But yeah, no, it's always Yellow been... the phone. It's always been it's always been fine. So, yeah. <clears throat> I just it I just didn't go back because it was yeah. I went there. Made me look like it. I went there all the time. Yeah, I yeah. thought they did real well. Yeah. Well, then they quit advertising, so you guys quit going there. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Touché. Yeah, we don't. So, do you go to Deli Mart anymore? No. Never. It went from being the greatest <laughs> gas station in the history of civilization. Hey, and now it sucks. That's how it works. I didn't say they sucked. I just said they don't advertise. Screw so it. So I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. You go to McDonald's, they don't advertise. No, but it. Okay, listen to this. Okay, is I'm listening. A, is it a long one? Probably. I go to McDonald's uh, last night. McRib's back. Oh, God, those are terrible. Oh, uh, well, in your opinion. Have you ever had one of those things? I wouldn't eat. I mean, it, okay. I wouldn't it, eat that under any Have you seen how any, they prepare them? Any circumstances. It's just a pork patty. It's just crap. So it's just a pork patty. So anyway, I go to McDonald's, and I order that and fries and 
and uh, chicken nuggets for Jan, and I go to the first window. where They, they say go to the first window. Yeah. I go to the first window, and there's nobody there. And the window's open, but nobody's there. And I said, hey. And I started, you know, and then somebody's honking behind me. So you I went figure, ahead. I went yeah. ahead. I went to the second window. Mm -hmm. Nobody's there. And I'm yelling, hey. And finally a woman comes out. And I said, I, I, I like my order. And she gives me a bag, and it's got two fish sandwiches in it or you. something. And I said, I didn't order this. Well, then it must be this one. And she gives me another bag, and it is my order. Mm -hmm. And then walks away. And I said, hey, you never took my money. And I'm like, honking, and nobody ever came back. And finally, I left. I got it for free. There you oh, go. I would have left, too. I yeah. would, too. So, karma. <laughs> so that's the right. Well, the, I think you still overpaid for a McRib. <laughs> that's the right. I was going to say yeah. that's the right price for that sandwich. Oh, it's that's a, I love that sandwich. Oh, it's the greatest nasty. sandwich. I've never understood Wonderful the McRib. sandwich. I've never understood that. Cloyingly sweet sauce and was big. Well, and I saw chunks of nasty white onions. I like just a I nightmare. like onions, and it's barely a pork patty. I saw a, something about oh how how they're processed. It's just I saw something on some TV show about the McRib. Ah, oh, Jesus! And it's, it's I love the McRib, and people do. People from all around the world. My brother in Germany. Was so excited. Oh, well, there we go. So here's where he's going to start pulling stuff out of his you know Since what. Since Wolfgang no. likes McRibs, then I guess it must be a good No, rib. I thought you were going to come up. 70% of America likes McRibs. Well, I let's you were see gonna... how I'll look up. The... I just think they're just ridiculous. So do you think Karen's going to Google the basketball roster? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you go ahead. Uh, no, we're riveted. We're we we're want to know. Because uh, the moment you find something, whatever we're talking about, you're going to break up our conversation and... Uh, and, and redirect. And you're going to look for it. I mean, you could probably find something on Google that says something He'll find positive. Something. He'll find something that says something positive about the McRib. And you can find anything on the Internet now if you want to. I mean, but no, I've just never understood the... I mean, I like a McDonald's Quarter Pounder. Oh, hot off the grill, they're delicious. I don't mind a McDonald's fish sandwich other than too much tartar sauce and they're tiny. But Washington Post, the McDonald's McRib returns and I still don't get its cult appeal. Okay, I'll There's second that. A, yeah, yeah. I guess I don't really. I Captain's the only person I know that's ever really praised, outwardly praised the McRib. I mean, maybe, maybe it is very popular. I've just it might be, but I and I've had one before. I had one like in the nineties, and I'm just like, ugh, this is just bad. Yeah, ew. I like it. Hot quarter pounder with cheese playing off the grill, and uh, sign me up. Yep, but we're also talking about a guy who likes Big Macs. Yeah. Well, this is also I think true. the Big Mac might be worse than that. Ah, Jesus. What well, do you think is worse between the Big Mac and... just go to Joseph's and leave me there at the window getting free food. Well, I wouldn't eat either. <laughs> if you Better. had to, though, between a McRib and a Big Mac. If you had to... Well, they both got the, those nasty big chunks of white onions. So, uh, so if, I, if I don't I, mind that. that. If I had to eat one... Pro Probably no, because I hate the Thousand Island dressing. Too, Thirty-nine so. percent of the people that uh, go to McDonald's uh, uh, buy the McRib when it's available. All right. So I don't know what that tells um, us. It doesn't really tell us much of anything. <laughs> well, there's uh, 
So four out of ten. Millions and millions of people. To me, I would have figured it'd be higher than that because it's only around for a limited time. So four out of ten people that eat at McDonald's regularly like the McRib. Buy the McRib. Okay, that's forty percent. All right, that's not. I wouldn't call that a rousing endorsement. No, No, it's not. So I guess we win. McRib sucks. What do you mean that arousing endorsement? I don't consider that a rousing endorsement. Well, it's thirty nine percent of the of. Well, but that means that go to McDonald's. 61% of McDonald's don't, well, they also don't have hamburgers those. and chicken. And yeah. they also know it's only there for a limited time only. You'd think that would maybe Whatever. spur more. Whatever. It's a yeah. wonderful sandwich, and I'm going to get another one today, I think. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah I haven't been. More I, power to you. Yeah. That's what restaurants are for. You should eat what you like. I haven't been to that McDonald's. I've just quit, kind of quit going to McDonald's. I got a fly. I got a McRib. Yeah, I know this damn. fly will not go away. Oh, no. he's an a hole. No, I tried to kill it earlier, and I thought I stepped on it, and it actually came back to life. No, <laughs> um, oh, I, I got a Quickstar uh, Mc, McRib uh, fake fake McRib. I'm sure that was good. Yeah. Uh-uh. So our game's at seven o'clock tonight. And the Iowa-Purdue game is at 11, uh-huh. which means we'll be going up Friday night, which means we may be hitting the Beef House on the way there. Dallas, there you go. Dallas has never been to the Beef House. I told him Hawk Fanatic would spring the $50, $60 dinner bill, and then we'll get our steak and take pictures of it and tweet it and do like what we were supposed to do. But we might be hitting the Beef House. It's been a while since we've gone there. Make sure I wear sweatpants so I can exhale after I put 8,500 calories into my system. Hello. Hello, I did Google, and you know what happened? What? They said, oh, here's the roster. We'll give you the first three players, and that's all they gave well, me. Okay, I then knew those players. there's a little arrow that you can click below that that says more. More, or you can just go to Iowa's website, HawkeyeSports.com, and just go click on the basketball on the roster, and it's right there. And I'll, I'll have somebody else tell it to me, and I'll write them down. I'm getting tired of this crap. There you go. Okay. Rage I'll against the machine. <laughs> rage. Karen was enraged. I mean, she makes me out to be like, what's his name, that Hawking guy, the, the genius? Because I usually Hawking. made fun of for being technologically an idiot, which I am, but compared to Karen, I'm, I'm, I'm Bill Gates. Hello. 8,500 calories is Ashley's idea, cutting back. Okay. I had someone tell me they think that we're mean to Ashley. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. And and I said to him, I'm like, hey, they, that's, it's whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't make, I don't fat shamer. I've never fat shamed. You laugh. You Uh, laugh. But I don't do that, but I don't have any. I mean, when she said she's a recovering journalist, yeah, I was done with her. Well, that, and she's just a trunk psychopath. Yeah, yes. Psychopath. So I don't have any respect for her politically at all. I personally, I don't know her, and I'm not going to fat shame her. That's what's his name's gig, whatever. Yeah. But I can't tell him what to say. If he wants to fat shame her, that's his business. Yeah. It's like Twitter. You can say anything now. Well, yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, Twitter's going to be interesting over these next couple of weeks. Because, like I said, I don't have a blue check mark. I've never gone to the trouble of getting one. I don't care. And you're not going to do and it I'm now. I'm certainly probably. not going to pay two forty a year for a freaking blue check mark on Twitter. I mean, it's going to be an interesting few weeks to see. Because I guess supposedly he's given his workers a week to figure out this 
the payment for the blue check, and he said if they didn't, he's going to fire him. And they've already Twitter deleted one of his. He had some conspiracy tweet on there yesterday, and Twitter took it down. And then I guess he deleted or some. It was pushing some conspiracy thing. And it was really bad. He's a, it, a I mean, nut. It was seriously bad. He's, he's not man. on there. He's got a motive. I think a lot of his ambition is political. I think he's out. To, I think he's out to cause problems. I you got to. You got to. You know. Yeah, these people are narcissistic. I blocked him yesterday. I don't need that crap. And if he gets, I mean, um, maybe he'll throw me off his platform. But I have no desire to see his crap. I don't need Elon it Musk to think pretty, for me. What did? What was his tweet about? It was uh, the Pelosi attack, and he. He put some uh, ultra-right uh, article in there how Pelosi was having uh, gay sex upstairs, was in his underwear when this guy entered. And the, the police immediately came out and said, this is crap. But that's what's being this pushed is, right now, though. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's just so all he it's tweets, a big... Cons- he tweets it to his millions and millions He's got 112 million followers. And left it up six hours and then uh, took it down. I mean, and yet he's not in there. He's not on there to cause any problems. He wants to give both. I mean, he is. Well, got the advertisers agenda. have got a. Well, they're, they'll they'll make the final statement. Yeah. So I mean, it's you know, it's all this crap is just ridiculous. The things people believe are just absolutely. I don't ridiculous. even know if they believe them. I just think they they want to believe they want to believe it. It's all part of owning the opponent. Democrats eat babies and crap. Well, yeah, I mean, the Republicans have just taken it to such a weird place. I mean, both sides have opportunists that are out to push their brand. Opportunists, yes. But but the Republicans have just taken it to a level that is... And so many of them, you get on Twitter and you see patriot, Christian, Jesus, God. You know, Then you see their Twitters up. It's stuff like that. There's just... Uh, don't it's even. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, one of my friends that we were with for a number of nights here this week is a lifelong Republican, and he says, "I just I don't recognize my party anymore." Well, my, he says, I, I, "My brother-in-law and sister-in-law they were lifelong Republicans, and and yet they're going to take over the House <clears throat> and probably the Senate. So somebody's somebody's still with them." I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes the left underestimates the opposition. Like, oh, this will all work itself out because nobody's this crazy. Well, yes, they guys, are. the House is about ready to split, and so is the Senate. Well, this guy, there was a Facebook page, uh, I miss 99 plus KFMH, and it always bothered me because we brought it back. Uh-huh. Well, this guy uh, started posting this ultra-right crap on it. Um. Just bizarre crap. So I assume you bounced him. Well, I couldn't because oh. he was. It was his page. It was he was the administrator. Right. Facebook bounced him, and then they said this page needs an administrator in thirty days or else it's gone. Uh, and somebody tipped me to that, so I went in yesterday and uh, took it over, changed the name to uh, you know KFMH fan page. Uh, and immediately bounced him and all the crap, but or he, well he wasn't there to bounce because Facebook already bounced him. It was pretty odd crap. He was. I'm just there. amazed at how many people spend just must be hours on Twitter posting under aliases and just feeding political 
division. That's what they live on. I mean, well, I it I wasn't, it, but it, it's even, you know, going back to sports, we won the game. Can't you just have like, I don't know, an hour or two where you're happy we won the game? And Spencer Petras in the offense, yes, I know it was only Northwestern, Northwestern. blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, they did make some good plays. And they looked we, we good. And they mean, looked good. I'd say it was overwhelmingly positive on social media. Most, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, but you... I you, saw... You know, I saw mostly positive. I saw maybe too. a few, but 99% of it was yeah. very positive. I did have one guy say it's only Northwestern. I'm like, you guys will bitch about anything. Yeah, and they beat them yeah. soundly. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm not our bitch, and I just got to remind you. I don't need to be reminded that it was only Northwestern. Well, I know I was there. We know there. who we played. Yeah. I was there watching and covering the game. But still, they beat them convincingly. Well, I had like I posted your article. Uh, yeah, but they seem to find you out. I mean, you seem to find want... the, in, you seem to find the stuff more than anyone else. I mean, I have. It was way... on the KFMH. I know, but it just KEI, seems. Like, I don't know if people hear KCJJ you on the radio and they want to. Doesn't he seem to find way more negativity than we do? Or, uh, yes. You yeah. find bad weather and negativity on social media. You seem to thrive <laughs> I find on that stuff. Bad weather. Well, you seem to enjoy I bad weather. I just told you it was going to be nice and lofty. Yeah, but it was not easy for you to say. I think you're pissed <laughs> that there's no tornadoes. And... Yes, I want the... I want... But no, I was surprised. <laughs> I was impressed. I thought most of the fans were okay, yeah. but so you obviously saw... Well, I don't know how you... A bunch of... It's only Northwestern. I didn't see hardly They weren't either. ripping or anything. I don't know I how you couldn't that. be okay with that game. What more do you want your team to do? They beat them by 20 points. And they scored a touchdown the last play of the game, you know, so it wasn't even as close as the score was. No, and they had good balance. They ran for 173. They threw for 220. I mean, it was a good all-around win. If Northwestern is bad, which they are, Iowa made them look bad. Yes, we did what, what we were supposed to do. And uh... Well, I did have one guy reach out to me and said, and then, then I ran back to him. I'm like, God, you guys will just bitch him. And then right away he backtracked saying, well, I wasn't. Well, you were bitching about it being only Northwestern. Yeah. That's the team they played. They couldn't play anyone else Saturday besides Northwestern, and they beat them. Do I think they're going to win this coming Saturday? Probably not. If I, I'm not sure on my pick yet, but I probably won't. Pick them to win this game. I, I, I don't either, and I, I can't pick them to beat Wisconsin either, uh, because we I'll just give don't a, play well. I'll give them a better chance of beating Wisconsin here than Purdue there. Than yes, Purdue I there. agree. Also, I think uh, I don't I agree think, with that. I don't think this is. I don't know what happened at Wisconsin last year. I think getting them here, I think that defense can rattle Mertz. And um, they need to at least split these next two. If they if they lose these next two games, then it's just going to get ugly again. Even if then they'll off- have to win at Minnesota. Well, then the, I mean, if they're if they're four and six, I, I it'll. I mean, then you're trying to get to six and six to go to some crap bowl game. Yeah. I know there's no such thing as a bad bowl game. Well, yeah, there are. I mean, there are some bowl games that probably shouldn't be played. I mean, I'm not ever. Ever gonna go to the Quick Lane Bowl I on December twenty sixth? I'm not sure. I would probably cover it from in home. Detroit. I'd probably cover it from home because I don't want to spend Christmas in Detroit by no. myself. It now I do have. I guess not. I do have relatives in Michigan that live in Ann Arbor. I could. I guess I could ruin their Christmas by staying. But I don't even know if they're going to be around. They may not be there for Christmas. Yeah. But no, the Quick Lane Bowl. I would like to think that if Iowa does qualify, that their following and whatever would help. Hopefully. Get them a better. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe maybe Music City. Well, if we can somehow qualify for that, I will absolutely go. 
Especially if they're, I mean, well, actually, Notre Dame, I, I'll give Notre Dame credit. They they beat Syracuse pretty convincingly. They, Notre, they Dame, Notre Dame's a better than Iowa. I thought maybe they were pretty eager. But no, Notre Dame's a better team than Iowa right now. So, But no, I'm not ready to take this victory over Northwestern and blow it out of proportion and say everything's fixed. That's That would be foolish to say. But for one day, they at least took care of business. And Spencer Petras looked pretty good. And they looked good doing it. And Spencer should have probably had three more completions. He probably should have had another touchdown pass. Vine should have caught that ball. He threw with touch most of the time. He had a good game. Yeah. The line was line looked good. Much better. But that just that looked like one of the worst Northwestern teams I've seen. In yeah, quite some for time. sure, for sure. I mean, he just does not have skill players other than a couple, and they're just. I thought their offensive line was going to be better, and the Iowa defensive line just ate him up and what's impressive is Iowa had a lot of young I mean Deontay Craig played as much well, or more he than, looked good he played more than John Wagner yeah he's starting to play a lot more but um, I'm going to write this today I mean um, their leading scorer points was a true freshman their leading rusher was a true freshman um, Deontay Craig's a sophomore I mean they had a lot of young players uh, that played a key role and I think that bodes well for the future now you got to keep them all here I mean with the mm-hmm. portal you, you never know um, and um but that was cool. Deontay Craig came out, and he told us that it was his birthday. He kind of wished himself happy happy birthday during his postgame press conference, which I thought was pretty cool. But he looked pretty good. He sure did. Tackle for loss, one and a half tackles for loss. And so, yeah, no, this is – I mean, they took care of business. They were able to feel good again. And what was so ironic about it is, like I said, Torrey Taylor had one punt for 12 yards. <laughs> it just went off the side of his yeah, foot. It did. And he didn't have – I mean, lots of times Torrey, I think, punts so well in games because he has so much practice and – I mean, he punted one time. Maybe he wasn't. I mean, that was that was different for him. Maybe he was a little tight. Who knows? Well, I'm just glad because that's the kind of play that can change a game around. And yeah, let's hope he doesn't do that at Purdue. Yeah, he exactly. does that against Purdue or Wisconsin. That could be lethal. Yep. By yep. that time, though, you just it just never felt like Iowa was going to lose that game. No, Saturday. it just no. never did. And Don was right. That Northwestern quarterback took a pounding. Yes, he did. He wasn't very good either. wasn't a very good uh-uh. thrower. He just nope. he just wasn't. They're just not very good. And I just wonder if I wonder if Fitz will spend the rest of his career at Northwestern. I mean, Fitz is what? He's probably in his early 50s. I mean, maybe, let's see, he was at Northwestern about 10. Fitz is probably in his late 40s or early. I think he's about 40s. eight, nine years younger than I am. Um, do you think he spends the rest of his career at Northwestern? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I mean, collegiately, I don't know where he would. Well, he could have gone anywhere at any yeah. point. But he, let's say he has three or four crappy seasons in a row at Northwestern, his value is going to go down. I'm sure Matt Campbell's. Well, and they'll probably. Fire I'm sure him. Matt Campbell's. Well, I, I I don't know. I think for Fitz to get fired at Northwestern, I think it would take a lot more than three. I think what you just said, three or four three bad or, years in a row. If he has three or four bad years in a row, I yes, I think he'll be in. Trouble, but I think he would survive a lot more than a lot of other coaches because it's his alma mater. He means so much to the school and because he's had success. But even Fitz at some point would have to be accountable. So I just wonder if he will just spend the rest of his career building and rebuilding his alma mater that has so many limitations. Number one being academics. The biggest – and I'm not knocking it. They're a great school. But the biggest hurdle for Northwestern is – probably 60 to 70% of the recruits that are out there in the open field, they can't get them because they can't get them in school. Yeah. And that makes it hard. You're, you're, you've got a shrunken pool that you're trying to get your guys. Plus, you don't have great tradition. Your stadium sucks. Everything else around there, their, their football facilities are, are great. Fantastic. But well, their stadium, and they're going to re- they're redoing it. But, but they're over, it's long overdue. They're yes. way behind everybody. So have you heard uh, 
the rumor that Iowa Northwestern next year may be at Wrigley? I think it's going to be. I think it's. I'm not even sure. Know if it's a rumor. I'm pretty sure it's going to be. I thought someone said last week they announced that it was going to be at Wrigley when they put the schedules together. I haven't. I, I haven't written anything confirming it, but I've been told that that's pretty much going to be a done deal. And that's that kind of cool. They have fixed it. They have fixed it to where. Remember the problem when they first started doing it is that that one end zone. If you weren't careful, you'd ram yourself into the back of the wall because uh-huh. it was two feet from the end, back yeah. of the end zone. They have, I since they have, since, um, they have fixed that. Which that was the only thing I didn't like about it. it was so how do they fix that? I have just no idea. Or? I don't know what they did. Let's see. My nephew just tweeted: since 2017 Northwestern ten win season, they have lost more and more each. Yeah, I mean Northwestern has been trending in the back. They were for a while. They'd go three and nine, then they'd win the division. Yeah. they'd yeah. go three and nine. Now he's starting to lump together bad seasons and i and to me at northwestern that's the kind of place where if you dig the hole too deep you're even if you're fit you can't climb out yeah and i'm wondering if he's on the verge of doing that because he had no answer saturday i mean nothing no, he didn't nothing what you got over there cap you've got uh, that look on your face <laughs> you got something for us <laughs> yeah he's got something i it's let me guess ice foods that dogs could eat at mcdonald's <laughs> i never took my dogs to mcdonald's <laughs> they can eat the uh hamburgers you know, without the toppings and onions and stuff. Well, they can eat whatever they want. Yeah. Well, that's whatever good. you give them, they're good. I don't think any of the food at McDonald's is good for a dog. No. no it's good for a human either. It's not, oh, geez. It's not bad for you, but no. not, you're not going to start pushing. People are living longer. I'm just saying, though, none of the food, yeah. fast food, tech, by definition, is not really good for you, is it? No, of course not. I mean, well, I, all I know is too much sodium, fast too much food fat. came about at the same time. People's lives were extended. Fast food also came about at the time when people started getting... I mean, obesity is a major problem. Yeah. And fast food... I, I eat fast food some, not much, not as much as you. But I'm not knocking it, but don't try to push it off as being healthy. Oh, it's okay. And it's not okay. It's <laughs> no, got not much, really. I think it's fine. <laughs> it's got tons of sodium in it. I got rid it. of cancer twice. Sodium and, and fat. I, and I'm guessing I the chemo fast. had more to do with it than the Thousand Island dressing. I credit Diet Coke and fast food. That's what I credit. Yeah. Well, that being said, going to the game tonight, if that my tenderloins are there, I'm going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. And a put tenderloin some, uh, is nothing more than a... Uh, those aren't good uh, for you either. No, not at all. And those no. ones aren't even good. Uh, it's, but it's there. It's at the arena. I get it. It's, I, it's good because it's there. Put some buffalo sauce uh, on But as far as oh tenderloins God, go, delicious. that's... As far as tenderloins go, though, they're not that one. I wouldn't well, rank that real high. It's not a midtown. Give you that. No, of course not. Not Millie's in Des Moines. Best tenderloin I've ever had. Millie's tenderloins in Des Moines. God, are they good. Hubcaps. And then put this tiny little bun on it. What's the, th- what's the thing that Jewish people wear in their heads? Yarmulke. Yarmulke. It looks like that. Yeah. The, the, the tenderloin is so big, and they beat them really. Na- I mean, they're really thin. thin. But my God, are they good. With stringy onion rings, those are the. I like stringy onion rings more than the big round ones. I like the greasy stringy ones. I like them all. Uh, I don't even know if Millie's is still around. Millie's tenderloin in Des Moines, kind of like Tasty Tacos. They were sort of an institution. Yeah, tweet or Google. Maybe Karn's googling right now. She'll call in to <laughs> let us know if it's still around. Yeah, that. Karn treats Google the way I handle algebra. Man, I just I just gave up. But um, it is unfortunate that they're not handing out paper products anymore. I mean, it, uh, it is. And I know they're, I, I think they're doing it mostly now to save money. Well, save on cleanup, too. That, it's, it, it, yeah, and well, paper ain't cheap. And, no. Um, they quit doing it originally because of COVID, but, you know, I mean, 
I guess it's still around. Is it still around? Okay. Yeah. Does it say anything about what their What about t- Smitty's? Smitty's Tenderloin Shop. That's in Des Moines. Maybe that's... No, Millie's is still around, though, right? M-I-L-L? Oh, no, maybe not. Or may, no, I'm not getting Millie's No, they're up. not. Millie's is closed? Yeah, the, the next top ten missed Des Moines restaurants. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I went to Millie's in the 70s and 60s. We're talking a long time ago. Yeah. I, and I just used to love their tenderloins. Man, I, but tenderloins really technically aren't good for you either. No. Oh, but no. you can't eat just good, healthy food either. I get it. I mean, Well, you want to have kale and, you know. Yeah. Well, I don't. No, I don't. No, I do like salads. Grass. I, I love eating. No, I don't like plant-based crap. I don't eat any of that. No. I do like salads. Yeah, I like salads too if it's iceberg lettuce or it's romaine. I don't like the arugula. I, I, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I know like I want crap. arugula. I mean, I like those doles pre-packed things at Hy-Vee yeah. when you get dressed. Yeah. Those things are good. Yeah. yeah. And they're triple washed. And the, like the summer one that's got the summer vinaigrette dressing, really good. And the ultimate Caesar, those are good. So you notice we've drifted to food here because we're hungry. I'm a little hungry. Yeah. I'm a little hungry. I mean, it's it's almost 11 o'clock. I not sure where I'll go for lunch. I may go down and say hi to Kev. I usually hit a rise at least once a week. Usually I do that after Wednesday's show, though. I'll probably go down and hang out with Kevin for a while down at a rise. It's damn good. It oh, is damn good. It is good. We yeah, still I've actually have had that, a, though, don't we, for the auction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I heard you mention it. I actually had a couple people say that they heard us promote it on the podcast, and one of them said they came in and went there for a football weekend. They had never even heard of the place. They liked and it. They went and they liked it a lot. Yeah. Good. They they got the curry, the red curry, and I'm not a curry fan, but they loved it. They said it was really good. I've just never really been a curry fan. You can't curry love. You just have to wait. You like curry? No. <sighs> There's red and uh, yellow curry. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just got a really strong taste to it. I don't like foods that are necessarily yellow. Like know. bananas? Yeah, bananas. You eat are, mustard. Uh, mustard? I eat uh, brown mustard. Yellow peppers? Not yellow. No. Oh, I don't like mustard at no, all. No, yellow so. uh, mustard is pedestrian. It's nasty. Hello? Um, Pat, you don't mean Maxie's on Grand? No, I thought it was Millie's Tenderloin in Des Moines. No, Mac- there was a Millie's Tenderloin. Yeah, and I'm talking about Millie's Tenderloin. It was out on, what was that road that took you out past Highland Park, heading toward um, Euclid. It used to be on Euclid in Des Moines. But it must have been shut down a while ago. Because like I said, I'm talking about when I was a kid, like 12 in the 70s. I would go, we'd go there and get these big tenderloins. And there was a place also on East 14th Street called the Donut King. They had the greatest chocolate donuts I've ever had in my life. We would get them on Sundays. My sister and I would go and get a dozen. And we'd bring them home for Sunday. And we'd end up getting in trouble because we'd eat like half of them on the way home. And, and oh, they were the best chocolate donuts. They were so, the Donut King on East 14th Street. Made yeah, I, I remember that. You remember that? Oh, their chocolate donuts were just out of the. Yeah, school. I just live a couple or lived a couple blocks from there. Okay, okay. So you live in Highland Park or east yeah. of Highland? Okay. Yeah. yeah, my mom was born and lived on Columbia. You know, I'm sure you mm-hmm. know the street I'm talking about. Sure. Yep, Highland Park, Des Moines North. Yep. Yeah, third generation. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Right. Sure, no problem. Um, let's see. Have we covered? Got the exhibition game tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is out there? Um, I saw Keegan Murray. They had they they won their first game. He yep. had over twenty points. He's he's playing well. Their great. Team, team's not very good. No, they're not. They're gonna have a long year. But Sacramento's hardly ever been good. Not since the days of 
Chris Weber, but I think Keegan is. I he's mean, been great. So if he far. stays healthy, he's going to be a 10, 15 year NBA guy, make enough. I yep. mean, he's going to make generational money. Well, he already has. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just it's a cool story. And um, but yeah, basketball's here. I mean, this is we're entering into the busiest month of the year, and if we can just avoid bad weather, that's the thing. November's depressing because when do we move the clocks back? Is that next week? Yeah. Then it's going to be. I mean, like today, I woke up. I, I sleep more now because it's dark. Today I woke up thinking it was like 6.15, 6.30 it was still dark. It was 7.25 when I woke up today. Wow. And I'm like, Jesus. I mean, because it was darker. And then it's going to be it's gonna be light for like seven hours a day now here in a week. I just That's why if we can just keep the weather, if we don't have to worry about frozen crap in November, that'll be so advantageous. I'm with you. Yeah. My guess is, the, I mean, at least for the first week, we look like we're going to be safe, right? Yeah, so, for the first week. Then you're guessing just a horror show. You, Tommy, and Molly in here just, yeah. just doing the weather and keeping us all alive in yes. like 10 days, eating McRibs. And... As long as they're there, I'll eat them. How long are they there for? I don't know. Too long. Time. Why don't they just put them there year round? You around? know, Suter. Nasty. I don't complain about you eating. What do you eat that I com- would that complain about? You, I don't know. Oh, something. It's got to be something. Yeah, I would think it's got to be something. <laughs> he eats pizza and steak like every day. I mean, that's... Well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I haven't had pizza in weeks. Really? Uh-uh. Do you know I had... Love pizza. Uh, I called up Casey's to get a pizza. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll pick it up. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Right across. Which one? The one... He goes, the, uh, our ordering machine, whatever an ordering machine is, he goes, our ordering machine isn't working. Could you call back in an hour and a half? I go, well, what, what do you mean? Your ordering machine. I want a supreme pizza. Can't you just write it down and give it to the guy in back? He has I mean, there's a I guy. It would seem that that would be doable. Well, it wasn't. So we went and got a pizza at Zio's, a supreme. It was damn good. Yeah. Zio Giano's? Yeah. I don't think I've ever had their pizza. Pizza's good. It is. I don't think I've ever had their It was damn good. But I love Casey's pizza, but I always get like a slice. I'll get like a slice maybe three times a week as opposed to... Their breakfast pizza, you wouldn't like it, Steve, but it's delicious. Is it really? Oh, my God. Aren't their larges like 10 bucks? Something like that. 10, 12. But what the hell is an ordering machine? Uh, I have no idea. Just take it down, and then when the machine works... If it's something to do with your register, it's just the way everything is. I mean, like today, I got a call from Citibank this morning saying that my payment to Sears is delinquent. It's late. I didn't realize I I haven't used my Sears card for years. I thought I had paid off the balance, but they said that I had just, I for the last year, I'd been paying like a thousand dollar balance off my Sears card. They said that I made that last payment, but there was interest that carried over to the next payment. So I just figured I was done making payments since I had paid off the balance. But there was like a $19 interest charge. And now since I didn't pay that, they've got a late fee and another fee. They want 71 bucks from me. And I am. I, and then today I tried to call before I came in here. I couldn't get a human being. Everything I could never get past the automation. I'm not paying that late stuff. That's I, the kind of stuff Biden was talking about, saying yeah. these fees are not only unfair. I didn't know it was. A, I thought I had paid off the card. Yeah, I thought because when I made the last payment of 136 dollars, I wrote that check. Little did I know that there were still interest that had accrued. So that went on my next statement. When well, when I got my next statement, I didn't bother to look at it because I didn't purchase anything. But now that's gone over two cycles now, and they want 71 well, bucks from me. I this is why they've closed down. This is why Sears... Well, yeah, I don't, we don't have a Sears here in town. I haven't used the card in years. Yeah. 
and I've paid it all off, but I tried. I could not get anyone. So what I'm going to have to do is they want a bunch of your personal information before they'll let you talk to a human. So that's what I'm going to have to do when I get out of here because I ran out of time. But, but I am not Frustrating. paying. I'm not paying seven. I'm not paying sixty, almost fifty dollars worth of interest on something I had no idea. I'll pay whatever I owed, but uh, it'll be because then I'll just tell them to shut down my card. I'm going to. I don't need my Sears card. Where's the nearest Sears? Cedar Rapids? Do they have one? I have no idea. I don't think so. Why do I need a Sears card? I don't even. You, know, you don't, don't know. need a Sears card. I know. I've had it for years. I just don't use it. No, I, I don't know I why. Would, I don't know where. The, I, I, I think the closest Sears may be in Des Moines? Chicago. Or I don't even know. If Des Moines, I don't even know if Des Moines has a Sears anymore. Yeah, let me look. But ah, uh, just irritating me that they're charging me late fees, interest, all this crap. So it'll be interesting to see if I get a hold of somebody. But everything now is automation. Yeah. You can't talk to a human being anymore. And it's just it's, it's Sears Appliance Repair, Sears Appliance Repair. Is there a Sears store? Well, there's nothing here, right? No, no. There's nothing in Des Moines either, other than uh, repair shops. So there's really <clears throat> nothing in Iowa then. No. No. Uh, remember when Sears was the? It was the catch me out. It Sears really was. Said if people would have uh, paid their interest charges, they'd still be around. <laughs> I used to use my Sears card a lot. I did yeah. so. Yeah. But okay, hey, thanks to Don Patterson. Great insight. We didn't ask him for a prediction. I don't like to put him on the spot. My, Don's going to usually say, unless it's Ohio. My guess is if we would have asked Don, I think he would have picked Iowa to win. I, I am not conceding this game, but right now oh, no. I'm probably 60-40 thinking Purdue's going to win. But why wouldn't I? They've owned Iowa yeah. recently. Yeah. And I think this is a better Purdue team this year maybe than last year, but they're up and down. They Fair. find ways to lose games at times. Well, let's hope they do that again this Saturday. Are you going? No. Have you ever been to Purdue? Uh-huh. Yeah, we had fun. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no. You've never been to the Beef House, though, have you? No. I find that surprising. Nope. You're going to... Nope. It'll be interesting. But the next time you're on 74, you exit four in Covington, Indiana. That's where it is. The Beef House? I mean, somebody who likes steak is... Oh, you would oh, love I it. Oh, I love steak. You would love it. And the nice thing about it, like a lot of steak joints, it's not a la carte. With your steak, you get a salad... And you get a salad bar, and you get a baked potato and rolls. Yum! You know a lot of, and it's probably forty bucks. But okay. a lot of places you spend forty just for the steak, and then you have to. Uh, you gotta go. All right, uh, <laughs> hawkfanatic.com. Check it out. It's free.